Welcome to Entitled Town, everybody. We are a full of BS podcast. We are almost the podcast. Uh, you can probably tell that Al is uh, on vacation. But Scarty's in the early week spot to discuss the Patriots and Mediates with me, Mike Irons. Let's do this. Uh, the orchestra sounding as good as ever. The aforementioned Patrick Scartelli, lead columnist of BJBSJournal.com. An entitled town utility man extraordinaire is here. And I'm glad to be here. And I hope Al gets better. I know that they uh, wanted us to say that he's on vacation, but really he had a flare-up of gout after Thanksgiving. It, it so, tends to happen around this time mm, of year. Exactly. So, such is life, such is life. You, you know, next man up, that kind of thing. A wise man once said, it is what it is, Scarzi. Patriots 20, Cardinals 17, Sunday at Foxborough. Bill Belichick has always emphasized Thanksgiving as a as a, a watermark during the season, and now we're after Thanksgiving. Let me bounce pass it to you for your thoughts on what I consider a gutsy win. It uh, it was definitely a. There, there's no two ways about it. It was a win. It counts as a win in the uh, win loss column, and it was a win against a good team that uh, came in also trying to win the game. They needed yeah, the they game. They, trying, they, they had a, you know, last, uh, last minute uh, field goal not work out for them, which happens on occasion. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty good football team. They absolutely needed the game in the worst way. They play in what's probably the best division in football, the NFC West, where we were talking before we started recording. You can make the argument that the team that's in last place in the NFC West, the 49ers, and they are the defending conference champions, they might be the most well-rounded team in the NFC West. Oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely an argument worth making. There's, a, there's, a, there's only so many uh, playoff spots to go around, and they're trying to get one of them. Absolutely. Although with, with this season going on, the NFL might allow six, they might allow eight, they might allow seven. Who knows what's going on? So we're recording this on Tuesday night, and there's been enough – BS and negativity, all the negativity that's in that town sucks. So let's, I'm going to try to focus away from the obvious issues that plague the offense. So I, I've been over it ad nauseum over the last 10 days or two weeks. Um, the game itself, the offensive line, they're stacked up against eight and nine man, you know, boxes, the violent hands with all those guys in the boxes. The offensive line has been Michael on when you would, who I've mentioned at least twice on every podcast we've done recently. And Bears fantastic. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And David Andrews with a different font on his name or the old font on the name in the back of his, you know, the offensive line has been really, really good. Better than last year. No, not, no it's not even close. So the offensive line has been good. Nick Folk has, I mean, he's kicked in the NFL for a long time. He's, he's gotten over whatever his physical issues or his health issues. Nick Folk has been arguably one of their three best offensive players. And if, uh, if you need your kicker to be one of uh, the three best offensive players on your team, that's, that's, uh, that means something. I'm not sure what, but he's hitting uh, game-winning field goals and uh, 50 plus not missing two. other ones. 50-plus, yeah. too, and, and notably tough places to kick, the Meadowlands and at Gillette. I mean, anyone who's been to a game at Gillette in November and December 
knows what we're talking about. So I imagine that's most of it here. I want to give a shout out. Got to get douche chills when I use a <laughs> phrase like shout out. But the defense, it was, they were, listen, they played a, a fantastic quarterback last week in Deshaun Watson, or say, say uh, two games ago in Watson. And I gave him enough back rubs on that. However, Kyler Murray, really good player. The defense, the defense had to defend. I think the Cardinals had the ball. I'm looking up the stats here now, Scarzi. Cardinals oh. had the ball for almost a little bit over 34 minutes. The Patriots gave up zero chunk plays in that game. Stephon Gilmore held a, arguably the best receiver in football in check in DeAndre Hopkins. They held him 20 him points. 20, they held him to 20 points, and the Cardinals had the ball for 34 minutes, which is my new cause celeb, the time of possession stuff. It, it, it means something. It does. It does. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was uh, – there were, there, were, there were positives to take out of this game, and we're going to do that. Absolutely. The, the, the middle of the defense, the Cardinals, I believe they were the number one team in football coming in um, in terms of running the football coming into the game. Now, a lot of that was Murray. They held Murray down. Um, they have two good backs in Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. The yeah. middle of the Patriots defense has gotten better. We, I referenced at the top of the podcast that improvement game over game and just as the season goes on, kind of build it to get better and better as you go on. The defense has gotten better. Um, they were last in DVOA. Uh, the Aaron Schatz football outsider stat going into last uh, after the Houston game, you wouldn't know it after the. You got to you got to tip your cap. They gave up ten points in the first quarter, and then seven the rest of the game. The Cardinals did their damn best to help them out with that. But you know, as we've said before, a, a large part of football is not stepping on your own dick and you know letting the other team make the mistakes. Oh sure, sure, and that. Uh... Yeah, the you know the uh, game uh, two weeks ago where you know the Patriots have always uh, done well when they've won the uh, turnover battle. Yep. You know, no turnovers. You know, that's a tie, and uh, the tie did not go uh, go their way that game. Yeah, and they actually lost the turnover battle in the Arizona game. Um, Cam turned the ball over. James White took the blame for not picking up a blitz on that. Was ostensibly a kind of a strip sack, but it was he was hit as he threw the ball in the first quarter that set up the Cardinals' first touchdown. And the second throw was, was not – I think Cam has admitted as much. It wasn't a good throw down on the left sideline. I think it was too – Oh, yeah, it should have gone a yard or two either way. Right. But, uh, yeah, but – I come not to bury Cam for once. I'm here to sing the praises of everything that went right because I, I, we've referenced multiple times complementary football tends to be winning football, and I think that was – that wasn't the master class that they had when they beat Baltimore. And it, listen, they won that game. They had 179 total yards of offense. Newton so had 72. Newton had 72. Down to. Newton had 72 more yards passing than Kendall Hinton did for the Broncos. And they won the game. They, I, I will tell you the thing that, that I took away from the game most. They competed their asses off the whole damn game. The Patriots. I, I think. Mean. Uh, I think the competition that we saw, you know, really, uh, really came out at the uh, end of the half. The goal line stand. You can't say enough about that. They, 
Um, I think it was Keyshawn Johnson, not the former Jet Buccaneer great, but his uh, quasi namesake, as it were. They right. overturned it. They overturned the third down pass. The officials ruled that he got in on the in cut from Murray. And the Cardinals, I mean, it's the right move. It's fourth and a foot. The Patriots have, by all accounts, they have someone who's in the, uh, off the practice squad manning the middle of the line. I mean, it's a pretty easy call, a fourth and a foot from a foot away, right? Right. You, you, I think uh, most, uh, most coaches would make that call. The tackling was much better on defense. Uh, just the situational awareness was great. You know, they, placed, they faced a, you know, I've made the point again, that, that Watson is, if, if Patrick Mahomes didn't exist, Watson would be the, the one everyone, that the Rappaports and the Breers and the Schefters would be tweeting wow about while putting on a gif of his, his latest amazing pass. So the defense was good. You know, that's, that's going to need to continue. Oh, yeah, that, uh, that saved him from a possible, you know, uh, double score situation. Absolutely. The, the, the double score is a thing. It's, it, was, it was 10 to 7 at that point. The Cardinals thought that they were going to go into halftime up 17 to 7, getting the second half kickoff, which likely would – the Cardinals score touchdown before and touchdown after the half. It's probably a death sentence for the 2020 Patriots with their um, – they're a little bit laborious, let's say to be as uh, positive as possible in moving the ball. Um, the defense stepped up. The special team stepped up. They were immense in the second half. There was this, you know, halftime adjustments may be a bit of a myth, but uh, they, they certainly came out uh, ready to play in the uh, second half. Yeah, you know it's not a myth? The Patriots still have good running backs. James White has done his undertaker coming out of the coffin routine <laughs> and starting to contribute to the team again. James White who I've, I've said privately with you is he is an all time Patriot. Great. Put him up there with Kevin Falk. The, the, the guy is fantastic. He served, he served the uh, one year red shirt year when he was drafted out of Wisconsin, much in the way that Damian Harris did when he was drafted out of Alabama. Damian Harris is a grown goddamn man. Fights hard for every yard. Runs hard. It's, Mm -hmm. did you watch the Monday night game last night? I did not. Chris Carson on the Seahawks, who's always hurt. Chris Carson runs like a man. He runs as hard as any running back in football. I love the way. And I'd say the same for Sony Michelle, too. Maybe it's a, the way they, they coach them down there. But I love the way that Harris and Michelle finish their runs. They, they're, just, they're good, tough, hard-nosed runners. Don't believe what the talking radio man say to you about Michelle. He was as important as anyone in them winning the Super Bowl in 2018. Damian Harris is facing stacked fronts and is, is absolutely producing at a level he has no right to produce against eight and nine-man fronts in the middle of the field. So, exactly. Everything is interconnected is what it comes down to. You know what else is interconnected? So, interconnected, you say interconnected, I say situational football. The receivers are pretty good. I don't care, I don't care what the numbers say. When you're running a single-wing offense – you're not going to put up Jerry Rice and, and Randy Moss numbers. The receivers do everything well, including block. And by the way, blocking as a receiver, particularly in this offense, it matters. Demir Bird is good. Jacoby Myers is good. The jury is out on Nikhil Harry. I'm not ready to throw dirt on the guy. The receivers are good. They, they play the full game. 
That they do. That they do. It's uh, th these aren't slappies to use uh, someone's uh, demeaning term. They, these are guys who are you know drawing a paycheck in the NFL and they're 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 doing what they can with uh, what they're given. The same the same mediates that are telling us that Demir Bird and uh, Nikhil Harry for certain and Jacoby Myers can't play are the same ones who probably derided. I know for a fact derided Julian Edelman in the seventh round, David Givens in the seventh round, Dion Branch in the second round, pulling J uh, Jabbar Gaffney off the scrap heap, trading for a supposedly washed Randy Moss in 2007. So, you know, who are you going to believe? They don't Me know what or your doing. lion eyes, right? Yeah, I think in some of these mediates don't know what they're talking about, but yeah. who knows? Here's, here's another guy. So Harry is one guy who is completely has the bullseye on him. Another one is, is Ryan Izzo. Ryan Izzo is always on the field. Now, he plays for Bill Belichick. He's always on the field. I'm not telling you he's Rob Gronkowski. I'm not telling you he's the murderous Aaron Hernandez. I'm not even telling you he's Daniel Graham or Stonefingers Watson. If Izzo's on the field... What does that mean? That means that Bill thinks he's good enough to be on the field to fulfill whatever uh, role that he's destined to play out there is what it comes down to. I just, I think we've been spoiled and I'm going to raise my hand on this one, Scarty. Excuse me. We've been spoiled. You know, I think that always, always good on a podcast. To raise your hand. Well, at least I'm saying I'm raising my <laughs> hand. I'm not Zolak saying, look, look, you know, during the <laughs> Patriots radio broadcast, but I think it's, I've certainly, it's, it's impossible. Whoever stepped in to play quarterback for the Patriots this year, uh, whether that was Hoyer or Stidham or Cameron, pardon me, we, we've been treated to just a master class in quarterback play for two decades. And it, it, doesn't, look, it doesn't look remotely the same. The, the, even the 2018 team, had a lot more variance in how they could move the football in this. And that was a, I think everyone who watched the end of that season realized what they morphed into. It's not going to look like it was ever, 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 ever. Anyone who plays at, at Foxborough for the home team, it's, it's likely not to be that good. Ryan Izzo, Bill Belichick said a couple of weeks ago that Izzo has improved in every phase of his game and that availability is the best ability. Now, that maybe that Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi, okay, they, they can learn some stuff from Izzo. Maybe they can be contributors down the line. I just, it really bothers me when, what's the best way to put this? It's when somebody who's out there and is actually doing a job that doesn't show up in the stat sheet is getting shit on by those who play fantasy football. And I raise, again, I'm raising my hand as I say, I play fantasy football, but I can, you know, I can recognize that he still can bring value to a, a team that wins. That's right. That's right. Just because, you know, he's not a, uh, not going to be giving you 10 touchdowns. Well, he's there for a different reason. Like we say, maybe the, uh, maybe Keen and Asiahi, they, maybe they have limitless potential as we, uh, as we discussed briefly on Twitter, but we, we will, we will find out when we find out. Agreed. Uh, the penalty. Oh, the penalty on Anthony Jennings. It cost them four points. How many remotes <laughs> did you throw and how many, how many Shakespearean sonnets did you quote? Uh, it was, uh, that was, 
that was ghastly is what it comes down to. I, I, I could just, I was watching it happen and I'm going, it, it's, he's going to reach the, uh, going to reach the end zone. And then I saw that there was a clean block and then, you know, flags were flying every which where, because you can't, uh, it was, it was too good of a block not to have been a uh, penalty, I guess is what they thought. Playing football on the offense. Oh, it was, I actually burst out laughing when they brought on, it was the Fox broadcast on Sunday and they brought on Baghdad Blandino to basically just, you know, would you buy a car from Baghdad Blandino? Oh, uh, he'd, he'd, you know, he'd charge you for the undercoating. I'm sure of it. The, absolutely. What, what it probably would charge you for the spoil that was put on beforehand, but that's neither here nor there. Blandino comes on, gives an impassioned defense of the call, while Daryl Johnson is still calling Nikhil Harry, Dekeel Harry, or whatever variation of it was. Keneal. Uh, Keneal Harry. Uh, it's right in front of you, sir. It's right in front of you. Great player. Yeah, he, he, listen, he's fine. I, Burkhart and Johnston are not an offensive broadcast team to me. It is what it is, but I think Daniil might disagree with that. Um, one, oh, another yeah, they, another uh... takeaway I have from the game, Scarzi, is that, and I referenced it briefly earlier, just they lost in Houston. That could have been a really, really disheartening loss. And a lot of, um, a lot of Boston media were telling us that it was, it was the fatal shot to their season. And it still may be, but they come out and they, as we mentioned, they play a good football team. That's a, they may not be the best Patriot team of the last decade. Their mental toughness is pretty good, and they were competitive as hell, and they were physical as all get out in that game. Our, I would argue that they really beat down the will of the Cardinals during much of that game. It's like, it's a cumulative effect that I don't think you can, I, I just don't think you can quantify. It's, 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 a, it's a physical and mental uh, toll to be out there for that, uh, for that long when the other team is, you know, putting, putting their best effort in. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's it's a good group. It's not the most talented group. Remember, they had the most opt-outs, the most COVID opt-outs um, in the NFL this year. I mean, they, and some really, really good players. Um, you know, Dante Hightower, obviously, first and foremost amongst them. They, they signed Bo Allen to replace Danny Shelton, and unfortunately, he hasn't been healthy. Um, and they've had to ha- kind of had a mishmash in the middle of the field, but they're five and six. And listen, they, they haven't made enough plays. You know, I've, uh, your record are – Bill, uh, Bill Parcells once said that your record um, – you are what your record says you are. And, yes, they are, they are that close to being 7-4. and four. They haven't made enough plays. But I, that doesn't mean that they haven't been admirable and they, they haven't shown really, really good mental toughness. Well, let me say, I got to – just to, you know – circle back to the game. If you had told me that they hadn't had an interception on a tip pass this year before Sunday, I would have believed you. Oh, but, uh, got some I, had, I, had, I had not seen – they had not had a ball bounce their way all season is what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's, you know, you know the, the football gods, as it were. But they got, they got a break. They capitalized on it. Um, I just think the defense is better than the numbers show as long as they come to bring the lumber every week. The offense is a work in progress, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to stay positive. As Rick Pitino once said, I'm not going to go there 
I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Nine for 18, 84 yards. I'm not going to go there. But they made, as Bill said, they made enough plays to win. That's uh, that's that's what needs to be done. I want to. Um, there's a there's a, there's there's an outside chance that they could uh, that they could, I don't know, go. Uh, Four out of five for the rest of the season. Get to that uh, nine and seven, which is not not great, not terrible. It'd be nice if they could get that tenth win and you know keep that streak going. But uh, let's let's not uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But this is this is a team that can go and win games if they uh, if they just you know stick to the fundamentals. I think you know Buffalo leads the division. Buffalo leads the AFC East, and they've they've outscored their opponents by a total. Buffalo's eight and three; they've outscored their opponents by nineteen points. That'll tell you what the what the margin is in that league between in that league caller, you people. It, the, the margin Miami is like it's seventy nine. They have a points. Uh, they've outscored their opponents by seventy nine, and they've got a quarterback controversy. That's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, I want to actually put the shoe on my other foot here. There's been, there was a lot of consternation in the media this week, or after the game, I should say, about um, Bill Belichick and Cam Newton. So I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to actually take the side of the Belichick-Newton marriage here. Mark Daniels, Tom Kern, even Jeff Howe, they came out and they were puzzled and in Curran and Daniels's case, outraged that Bill Belichick wouldn't come out and condemn or just call out Cam Newton's play at quarterback. Do they, certainly in Tom's case and in Howe's case, I don't know long, how long Mark Daniels has been covering the Patriots. What did they think that was going to happen? What did they think was going to happen? Bill Belichick is not Bruce Arians. He's not going to take them and throw them like they're raw meat, like they're quint to Jaws. He's not going to do that. He keeps things in-house. I guess it's an easy column for easy clicks and interaction, but, I mean, what's the uh, old saying have? It's a colossally stupid or willfully ignorant. What's going on there? It actually... It, it makes me surprised. It makes me angry. Is it colossally stupid or willfully ignorant? Why not both? But <laughs> like you say, it's, 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 you're, you're, they're chasing clicks. They need, uh, you know, Jordan Marsh isn't buying ads for the soup for the, uh, for the newspapers anymore. So they, they, they need to get the, get the money in somehow. But it, like you say, it's, it's like they expect him to be Parcells or something. I just talk about he, how she's doing a good job out there or whatever. You know, Parcells, you know, they loved it. Parcells would piss on their heads and they, they would lap it up like it was, you know, a elixir from a spring. It's, it, it's, I just don't get, I mean, I guess what's the, the line that I have espoused? Like, are, are fans getting the media they deserve? Yeah. I mean, Curran's gone full hot take you know, shit on Belichick and, and take the negative road every time. It's like, we get that a, at a kindergarten level from Volan. Uh, I mean, I, 
I, I actually clicked on Curran's piece. I don't have it up on my screen here. Curran's piece was basically saying, um, after the game, it was his column. It wasn't his game story. Curran's piece, and again, I'm paraphrasing, basically said that, and Jeff Howe too, was that what are they doing? They're costing themselves draft position, draft capital, yada, yada, yada. I would argue the opposite. And if anybody's followed, um, there's been a lot of oral histories and recollections in the past year about the, the 2000 Patriot team, which is the team that Belichick took over that was in cap jail. And they didn't, they didn't have any cap room. The previous regime, the Bobby Greer, Pete Carroll regime had spent a little bit recklessly. And they, they actually played with less than the full complement of a roster for part of the season in 2000. What that season was about was identifying building blocks that were there for the long term. People who could, wanted to be part of a program. People who wanted to buy in. Tough, identifying people who were tough, identifying players who were smart, identifying those who bought in, identifying those who wanted to lead. I don't think Cam's the guy, but I will say, when he took that helmet-to-helmet hit, and there was a lot of media that claimed that he was in bounds while not acknowledging it was a helmet-to-helmet hit on the last drive that led to the full winning field goal, Cam got hit. It was a really, really hard hit. I I think it was um, Isaiah Simmons on the Cardinals that hit him. It was a, it was a brutal hit. The way that Cam's teammates rallied around him and went up and caused the ruckus standing up for their guy, maybe Cam's not going to, you know, have a three-to-one touchdown interception ratio. Maybe that's why he's playing. He's tough. He leads. He's doing the right thing. And I, I really don't want to give an impassioned defense of this guy, but I do think as a part of the larger picture, what they're doing here is they're identifying people who can be core pieces and continue the quote-unquote vomit in my own mouth as I say this, what the culture down there, I'm not going to say the Patriot way. They want (laughs) people who want to be on that team and want to lead and build the next version of excellence. Is that that out there? Am I crazy? Don't answer that. Don't answer that last one. Uh, no, no, no. But let me let me just you know interject here and say that uh, in the defense of all the folks who are talking about the uh, about the you know penalty being inbounds and something, it was my understanding that the officials got it wrong. Whatever, the, whatever. Instead of saying it was helmet to helmet, they called it unnecessary roughness or some such business. So it's it the uh, the officiating the officiating crew did not cover themselves in glory during that. They game. were terrible. Yes, so, yes, they were. Yes, they were. So they, there was, oh, like I said, it's like the, they were very flag happy. That Jennings penalty, I just, I, all I could do was I burst out laughing. Like Belichick, you know, they, I mean, listen, everybody who watched the game or saw the clip with Belichick Maltham, he's, he was about to make a effing tackle. I mean, what is he supposed to do? And it's a blind side hit. And as you, as you responded, I, I put on Twitter, blind side is now straight ahead. And you said, no, well, Cam agrees. But that, be that as it may, I, I just – for everyone. I, you've never said something more true than that, Patrick. <laughs> um, the officiating was bad. It's not great on a week-to-week basis. It's oh, – there's replay for a reason. And, and, again, I'm circling back. I'm repeating myself, which is something 
I do at a Joe Flacco elite level. I can't believe, no, actually I can, that Baghdad Blandino went on going full Baghdad Bob and defending the officiating crew. Oh, it was actually the right call. While for the next four minutes, Daryl Johnson tried to wrap his head around what he heard. It's basically doing the Larry David, uh, I don't know. Right. We, we, we all saw what we saw. We know that it's not, uh, it's not what the actual, it was, it was a good clean hit in my, in my view, but you know, I'm not, I'm not out there wearing the uh, zebra stripes. So, but be that as it may, but going, going back a little bit to what you're, so from what I understand you're saying is you think uh, talking about how the Patriots were in cap jail back in uh, 2000, Mm -hmm. now that they have some money, they should definitely back up a brink trucks and do right by cam. I think that's oh, what you're saying. You're, you're, you're absolutely baiting me. I'm going to take the bait. I'm going to take the bait. <sighs> I shouldn't <laughs> take the bait, but I'm going to take the bait. So we're recording. Um, it's, a, it's about quarter of nine Eastern time on Tuesday. Um, the erstwhile almost a coach, almost a scout, is quadrupling down on his idiocy that Cam Newton shouldn't be the quarterback. But they should give him a raise, and they should extend him. Folks, subscribe today. I just, I can't, I, my, I'm short-circuiting here, Patrick. I, I can't, I, please help me out here. Help me out. He's right even when he's wrong, I think, is what it comes down to with that. Um, I, is- I, I'm not sure if his lenders would agree, but... <laughs> I, I, the beautiful arrogance of somebody to be that oblivious to their own takes like these I have more respect for Jimmy Stewart's Celtics insiderdom than I do almost the coach you know here's here's the thing these guys right they're not allowed to go to practice in it we're in a pandemic as you may or may not remember they can't go to practice they don't um, have relationships with the players this is, let me back up. I shouldn't say they don't have relations with the players. That's not fair. Right. Um, he also went after his whole jihad with Gilmore calling him out and Andy Hart stepped on his own feces um, in angering Mrs. Gilmore yesterday, but that's neither here nor there. I just don't get why he's trip quadrupling down on his idiocy. I just what's right in front of you it's like what's that what that is like is subscribing for two dollars on the boston sports journal cyber monday sale reading his shit takes and say you know what i'm gonna give you ten dollars a month no one does that even i'm not even in a salary cap league for my you know sports media consumption and i canceled the athletic after reading steve buckley's piece on helen robinson the switchboard operator over at Fenway park but like who is paying for this tripe? Well, me, but I'm a special case. Uh, no, are, are you talking the athletic or are you subscribed to the BS journal? Oh, not the journal. Come on. Oh, okay. I was, I was, about, I was about to excommunicate you from, from oh, exactly. open, uh, open auditions for a new <laughs> guest host coming up soon. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like invincible. Uh, podcasting yeah no we're completely invincible I, I promise you that all right so they got um 
a well, pretty... I'll say this. I'll say this for Greg. He's got the self-confidence to uh, when his uh, when his journal, you know, eventually goes belly up. He's got the self-confidence to uh, open an eatery in the North End. I'm just going to leave that one there. Uh, the Chargers are next. Um, have you gotten to see the Chargers play at all? Again, I live in the West Coast. For those of you who haven't heard me say that approximately 733 times, I see the Chargers a lot. Uh, I saw Justin Herbert play a lot at Oregon. He's good. Anthony Lynn is not, but Justin Herbert is. Oh, I, I believe you. So I, I'm going to let you uh, take point on this one. To be honest, all both uh, both LA teams and uh, the Raiders are all kind of one big mishmash in my mind with all the moving around and the sharing stadiums and things. So if you know anything about the Chargers, I'm going to let you uh, pontificate on that. I know I wouldn't let Anthony Lynn run a lemonade stand, much less an <laughs> NFL team. Um, Herbert's good. I didn't think he'd be nearly this good coming out of Oregon this fast. Um, I'll let you guys draw your own conclusions. You don't need, I'm not an expert. I'm not almost a scout, but uh, he's played very well. Anyone who follows the NFL, even remotely closely, has known that. Um, the ball comes out of his hand in a way that, oh, God, I sound like such a douchebag scout. Um, he has, let's just, I'll just say in the parlance of Evan Lazar, he has violent hands and arm talent. And I think that'll be on display Sunday. The Patriots have. Does he have eye discipline? Uh, that I can't speak to, but okay. uh, I do know. I always conflate those two violent eyes and disciplined <laughs> hands. I, I just don't get it. So the it's, Chargers, the Chargers are not nice. out. Uh, um, please. They got two games in LA on the short week. Um, do they get to stay out in LA or do they got to? They're saying, I believe they're staying in Westwood at UCLA. It's either Westwood is a much nicer place uh, at UCLA than USC is, which is basically. Um, uh, it's not downtown LA, but it's not the best part of LA near the Coliseum. But I believe they're at UCLA at Westwood. They're going to be in the proverbial bubble, as it was. Ah. Um, Julian Edelman will not be there, even though the Globe took glee in him coming down with a potentially deadly disease last night and put it above the fold in the sports section yesterday. Well done, men of John Henry, by the way. Um, and his lovely bride. Well, she is the editor-in-chief, right? The grand poobah of the uh, Boston Globe. Um, when's the intern draft? Uh, TBD, to be determined. Okay, fair enough. All right, so um, I think we're going to wind this down here, Mr. Scartelli. Uh, well, before e you wind things down, you know, we were talking about gonna throw the lethal so crest, and you are forgetting yeah, our dearly departed Coach Matt. Oh goodness! Uh, you know what? I uh, it's not on the list. Thank goodness. It uh, is. It's okay. not on the list. I um, so I, I'm going to ask you to lead, lead off in this. So we're talking about Coach Matt, pencil behind the ear, Coach Matt. I have to say, listen, did he do a a, a stellar job at the Lions? No. But I will say, I think he's the proxy for most of media, both local in new england and national he's there his failure is somehow conflate is they tie it to bill belichick you made the great point that bill belichick's biggest failure was not improving 
uh, Romeo Cornell's and Matt Patricia's team. Somehow that's his greatest failure. But the app, the object glee that Coach Matt's firing, the same people who finger wag us when somebody loses their job in media, and anyone losing their job, I'm not, I'm, I'm a heartless bastard, but anyone who loses their job, particularly in a pandemic, listen, Matt Patricia's got, he's going to get paid. He's, he's made a lot of money. But the absolute glee that people took in pissing on his grave and then tying it to Belichick, it's, it's despicable. It's, it's really distasteful. Well, the only thing a uh, branch of the uh, Belichick coaching tree is good for is if when it comes down, then you can uh, use it to beat Belichick with it. It, it. It's purely that. It's purely that. It, it's like you say. It's a proxy. It's uh, well, we can't we can't touch Bill. So you know, Bill is uh, Bill successful. You know, Bill is uh, as uh, I believe even the. Uh, great Vito Stellino mentioned today that Bill is, you know, in the conversation for among the top four coaches ever. But uh, if, if uh, something goes wrong with one of his uh, former assistants, you know, going and coaching another team and these things don't happen like it's a, uh, you know, Royal secession sort of thing. It's what happens is, you know, you're, you're, you're going to a bad team is what it comes down to. People generally don't fire coaches because they're doing well. They're fired because they're not getting the job done and, and you're brought in in a tough situation. You're, 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 you're behind the eight ball to begin with. So these, so the thing that bothers me, and this is again, for my simple, uh, you know, four cylinder brain, and again, the hypocrisy, hypocrisy he tried to say in English. These are the same people that when a, a widget in the machine, a, a sub-replacement level journalist or announcer or on-air personality gets fired, they will finger wag you like you're, they're Peter King on every steroid that Will, Feller, uh, Will Fuller of the Texans took and Mark McGuire and Sammy Seusser took. They will finger wag you into oblivion by telling you not to celebrate anyone losing their job. Oh, they, they definitely will do that. Yeah. I, it's, listen, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the idiot here for not recognizing, you know, what's the, the definition of, an, of insanity, Scarcy? It's, you know, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And so I'm probably guilty of that. Exactly. And I'm going to, you know, freely admit that I have, I kind of had a soft spot for uh, Matt Patricia, knowing that uh, a imaginary version of uh, Coach Matt had to deal with an imaginary version of uh, Sean Crable oh. in my mind. So it's Sean Crable's know. a deep pull. Mm-hmm. Number Matt ninety in your program. Absolutely, I think I think I could be wrong here. I believe Matt Patricia has five Super Bowl rings, and he's probably got paid very well by the Ford family and allegedly by the Kraft family. But um, anyway, the hypocrisy is whatever. It, it should probably be expected. That probably falls on me. Uh, our, our email address is entitledtown at gmail.com. We did get a question um, to the Twitter account, and it's from a, uh, a regular listener named Michael Rabb, and he sent a tweet to you and I, Scartsy, asking us, any word if any of the two rookie tight ends have any potential? And Almost uh, a scout, Scartsy. You're up first. Like I like I think uh, I think they've both got uh, both got potential. So there we are. 
Um, I, I've heard of them. I saw Keen catch a pass. Um, I think Bill Cullen, the great former host of Card Sharks and other various game shows, would say that he's a bust. But the truth is, I'm going to enjoy watching, you know, seeing what happens. It's, I don't have any insight. I didn't see them play in college. I, haven't, I didn't go to training camp. Neither did you. Neither did most of the reporters. They're not in the locker room. They don't watch the film. The players. They don't watch the practices. They don't know. I'm going to enjoy the goddamn games. This team's five and six. They compete their asses off. You know, it's, let's, I'm going to, I'm determined to enjoy the rest of the season. I, I know that, listen, my shoe pee level in watching the, the, the offense, you know, I'm, I'm up to my neck. I got my swimmies on and my floaties watching them, you know, on a 23 play 59 yard drive. But, I'm determined to enjoy the rest of the season. It, there's, there's a lot. As we just spent the better part of 40 minutes talking about, there was a lot of good to come out of that game Sunday. There's, they're identifying the, the culture is good. They're not going to tank. The culture doesn't allow for that. Organically or otherwise. Absolutely. Anyway, so uh, you know the email address. You know the Gmail address. Uh, Two LA games in a short week next week. So they've got the Chargers on Sunday and then the, followed by the Rams on a Thursday. Uh, do you have anything else, uh, Scarzi? Um, nothing except for uh, six and six. Here we come. So we're on to the uh, Chargers. As I mentioned, the Chargers on Sunday. That Chargers team is good. That Chargers team is fun. But before I go, I want to remind everybody that we are indeed on to Los Angeles. And I'm going to remind you to once again, Turn off your radio. And if you have kids, I hope you outlive them.